A dead car battery pandemic is sweeping the Western world. Such a soul-crushing experience. Upliftingly, here's how to avoid it. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au, the place where Australian new car buyers save thousands off their brand new cars. Yes. Hit me up on the website. That The zombie apocalypse is coming for your car's battery next, apparently, and I'm mad as hell about that. I'm not going to take it anymore. Hashtag network. And neither should you, I'd suggest. Lockdown simply means less driving, shorter trips, and that equals more dead car batteries. But it does not have to be this way. So I'm taking Liberace's AK off the friggin' wall metaphorically, and drawing a line in the sand. Toilet paper and hand sanitizer is the limit of my tolerance on this. I have a question related to the prevailing zombie apocalypse here in Bleepsville. I wonder about the effect on car batteries. I have two cars but now drive less than 10 kilometres per week. Are there any easy tips you could offer to your viewers so they don't wake up to find their battery dead one day? I try to alternate my cars on each trip and have started parking them facing each other in case we need to jumpstart one using the other. The advice on internet forums is conflicting. Internet forums agreed. Quite confusing. Dunning and Kruger alive and well despite the apocalypse. So, basically two parts to this explanation. Part number one, the beer garden physics of dead batteries. Yes! It's always nice when you learn something on lockdown. And then the solution, which admittedly is going to involve money, but not too much, at least, for most people. Basically, okay, a car's battery is a plastic box full of lead plates which are floating in acid. They're not actually floating, that's just a turn of phrase. They're rigidly mounted down there and they're submerged in acid. Hashtag Archimedes. The battery's basic job, like all batteries, is to store electrical energy. The battery in your car, your SUV, your fine utility, whatever, it's the Olympic power lifter of lead-acid batteries, okay? Meaning it generates a great deal of effort for a very brief period of time. Modern engines, you know, they're essentially good to go when they're shut down and all they really need is a spark and some fuel and a short, sharp crank to get themselves turning and burning. I'm sure there's a joke there. We're not doing that. We're keeping this one clean. I'm going to just see how I go. Can I do it for the next 10 minutes? I wouldn't bet on me. The crank is, of course, the battery's job via the starter. Facilitating that initial short crank of the engine, that's what that stuff is for. And it certainly beats doing it by hand. I think you'd agree, like Grandpappy did with his Model T or something back in the Jurassic. Once the engine's actually running, the car's electrical system runs off the battery and essentially the alternator pumps electricity back into the battery. But it's getting pumped back in at a lot slower rate than it was extracted during startup, okay? So just to recap, startup equals hundreds of amps over a short period of one to three seconds or something, and recharge is probably going to be only four to six amps of net recharging with the engine turning and burning 
via the alternator. During a zombie apocalypse, working from home on lockdown, driving 10Ks a week or whatever, like Puneet earlier, you find yourself in this position where there's not enough recharging from the alternator to offset the cumulative electrical deficit from starting the car for these short trips to the shops or whatever. And this is actually compounded because there's incremental electrical load on the battery even with the car shut down. The various computer systems need to be powered up so that they can remember where the hell they are and what the hell they should do upon startup. And you also forget your phone or something, so you go down to the car, you hit the central locking to retrieve your fine electrical device so you can remain somewhat connected, which you forgot earlier. And the interior of your fine vehicle lights up, as well as the exterior personal security lighting, and of course the central locking system and its solenoids, they cycle once on opening, and then you've got to close the car again. It's all draining the battery. These things don't use that much power in isolation, but it certainly does add up over time. Like the CAN bus, the controller area network bus, which connects all the different ECUs in the car, it's only powered by 3.3 volts if memory serves, and the current draw is very low. But anyway, batteries get gradually depleted over a few weeks if you just don't drive much, which is on the rise, obviously, because zombie lockdown. And we've never been more used to batteries, I'd suggest, as a society, because we've got phones and tablets and cameras and power tools, instruments of personal pleasure, whatever. And we use those until those batteries are flat, after which we typically just put them on the charger and go again without a second thought. Yes? Some people. More enthusiastic users than others, obviously. Unfortunately car batteries simply do not appreciate being cycled deeply in this way. Because of the Olympic power lifter thing discussed earlier, flattening a car battery is indeed an excellent way to kill it quickly, especially if it's already a few years old or if you do this to it a few times in succession during lockdown. See, to do the Olympic powerlifter thing, there needs to be a lot of thin lead plates inside the plastic box. And if you run it flat, it's kind of like asking an Olympic powerlifter to go out and run a friggin' marathon, which typically does not end well. By comparison, in an electric golf buggy or a caravan, if you're not smart enough to stay in a hotel like a civilized person, whatever, the batteries have fewer lead plates for these applications and they're bigger, fatter plates. And that gives the battery more tolerance to being discharged more fully. In these kinds of applications, they're called deep cycle batteries, mainly because they're tolerant of being cycled so deeply and the people who named them lacked any creative flair. Deep cycle batteries, they look just like the cold cranking car batteries that are under the hood or the bonnet of your car. Same sort of plastic box and they produce electricity using the same chemistry. But the internal construction of those batteries is substantially different. And here in Antipodean Shitsville, 
Yes, we're winter in lockdown. It's just a few weeks away. Looking forward to that. A lot of people on lockdown are going to wake up for their weekly drive to the shops, their one moment of liberation, only to find that their battery is deader than the proverbial dead dingo's donger, which I think you'll find is quite dead indeed. And if you need to travel more urgently than that, perhaps because of some compassionate travel emergency in the middle of the friggin' night, like at 3am, when that shit always happens, that click and the deafening silence, instead of engine startup, it's completely soul-crushing. Winter, right, it just places additional demand on batteries. It slows down the chemical reactions internally. It's the classic time to discover battery and other electrical deficiencies, which is kind of the inverse of the way you routinely discover cooling system deficiencies during summer. So basically, the solution is pretty easy. Just get yourself a decent, modern, electronic battery charger. My one is from auscharge.com.au, and it goes by the catchy name OC-Pro 600. And they're about 179 bucks if you pay the full freight. That's Schittsvillian micro pesos, which are essentially zero if you've got pounds sterling or, I don't know, one or something. US dollars even, for a while. It's pretty typical for a decent charger. You're going to pay between 150 and 200 bucks for a decent charger for most cars, utes, or SUVs, all right? And my one has been great. I've used it quite a bit because as a motoring journalist, my car typically sits there doing bugger all while I drive other cars for evaluation, whatever. So I'll put a link to that one in the description. And I don't get anything out of it if you click on that link. I can just recommend it as being a decent product. OzCharge actually sent me that one as a thank you after I reviewed their capacitive jump starter thingo, which is called a Rescue Mate 1000. And I'll link that one too, because if you've got a flat battery and you need to get going like right now, and you don't have eight to 12 hours to wait for a proper recharge plugged in, that Rescue Mate is also an excellent solution. For a car, SUV, ute, whatever, cold cranking battery in those kinds of applications, you'll want a charger that delivers about four to six amps. Mine has charging programs optimized for the different kinds of batteries, which would be the conventional wet kind, the AGM kind, gel and calcium. You just select the type with push button, it's a menu thing, and it's generally written on the battery if you're unsure about which one yours is. You can also select three different charging rates on that charger. You can have one, four, or six amps. One amp is for so-called trickle charging, which is when you just leave the charger continuously connected to an essentially full battery in the garage, basically mid-apocalypse, and it just stops the battery from growing, growing and going incrementally flat. Four amps, okay? That's kind of a mid-range setting where the charger can charge the battery up at a reasonable pace but also passively cool itself. And the six amp option is to get the job done as quickly as possible without overheating the battery, but you need to be aware that the unit's internal cooling fan is gonna operate from time to time on a thermostat to keep the charger at an acceptable temperature range. Frankly, there are a billion, with a B, different chargers available in this sort of general capacity range, 
and they all do essentially the same thing. They get a big fat handful of electrons and they stuff them back into the battery. You can order one online without inflicting yourself on anyone's personal space or increasing the risk of being zombified and get it delivered in a few days, which is dead easy. If you've got a garage, and not everyone does, but if you do, or frankly any other location that's weatherproof and reasonably secure and has access to mains power, just run the charger on four amps until the battery's full and then leave it connected and switch to trickle charging sort of one amp mode until you need to go out for additional toilet tissue or ammo, whatever. If you don't have that easy access to a waterproof, powered up, secure spot, and not everyone does, get yourself somewhere where you can run an extension lead to the car, run it at six amps until the battery's full, and see if you can't do that once or maybe twice a week or something. There are solar charging alternatives as well, but the case for them is more like remote area operation, like trickle charge, a deep cycle battery in a caravan or a camper van, whatever, okay? Where there's no mains power betwixt you and the horizon, essentially, that's where I'd be thinking solar's a good option because it's not like there's a green or economically rational case for solar charging the battery in your car. So if your battery is flat, Okay, and you connect the charger that just arrives in a box and it's been charging overnight and you take it off and the battery remains dead or goes flat quite rapidly thereafter, it's dead. Funeral and replacement. You need to bite the bullet and get yourself a new one. You can do that by phone or online as well. Make sure you leave the car energised when you change the battery, right? So you don't de-initialise various computer systems. If you don't know what that means, then changing the battery is not a job that you should do yourself. Get a professional battery installer to do it for you. It's going to save you a trillion, a trillion subsequent headaches, visits to the dealer, whatever. The pro tip with charging too, okay, just so you know, connect the alligator clips to the battery before connecting the mains power to the charger. Battery connection first, mains power second. This is kind of important. On the battery connection, okay, red goes to red, black goes to black. Red is positive if you've been dead from the neck up your whole life. Red is positive, black is negative. Very important, I think you'd agree, not to get that wrong. The reason for connecting the mains power last is that if you do it the other way around, there's a small risk of generating a spark when you connect the alligator clips. Actually, you're gonna generate the spark, but the risk to your health is small, significant, but small, because batteries generate hydrogen gas, which is potentially quite flammable if there's the right proportion in air. I'd suggest, just putting it out there, that it's generally quite a bad idea to envelop your head in a rapidly deflagrating hydrogen gas fireball. There's a domain of good ideas and bad ideas. It's over the bad end of the spectrum, I think you'd agree. There's good scientific consensus on that, quite solid, and I see no reason whatsoever to disagree. Especially now, 
right? What with all the hospitals being quite busy and such a poor choice of places to visit without a really, really good reason, just saying, don't blow yourself up. Blowing yourself up, bad idea. I think you'd agree. It's a pretty low risk, asymptotic to zero, if you just remember the connection strategy. To turn the mains power on to the charger, last thing of all, to energize the recharging process. This is just one more fun thing that you can do to engage your grey matter during lockdown. And this is so simple, a Prime Minister could probably even get it right with, yeah, suitable instruction. 